Hello and welcome to the Beach House 34 podcast. I'm your host, Christine Worth. What you are about to hear is a true story about a series of disturbing events that eventually was later determined to be a demonic spirit inhabiting a doll. Listener discretion is strongly advised, and it's also important to note that the names contained in this podcast, they are fictional to protect the real identities of the original owners at their request. Now, you might be familiar with the movie Annabelle, which was released in 2014. This tells the story of a rare porcelain doll that a husband, John, bought for his expecting wife, Mia. It was to be a gift for their first child and would be placed in a collection of dolls within the nursery. The quick and dirty of the movie Annabelle goes like this. After receiving the doll, later that night, John and Mia hear something happening at their neighbor's house, the Higgins, and John and Mia call the police. While they're waiting for the police, the people who had been at the Higgins' house and killed the Higgins, by the way, then went to John and Mia's house. When the police finally arrive, the two who had just murdered the Higgins were now inside John and Mia's house. The police then end up shooting and killing one of them, the male, but the female made her way into the nursery, grabs the doll that John had just purchased, and then slits her own throat. The two people were later identified as being Higgins' estranged daughter, Annabelle, and her boyfriend, who were both members of a cult. What happens then is it turns into a series of paranormal activities around John and Mia and later their daughter. They later find out that the cult that Annabelle had belonged to had intended to summon a demonic spirit and they later realize that the demonic spirit instead inhabits the doll that Annabelle was holding at the time of her death. Now, I'm not going to recap the whole movie here, but suffice it to say that all kinds of evil and scary things happen, but at the end, the doll somehow ends up disappearing, and John and Mia and their daughter are all safe and sound, which is great. Now, as the movie wraps up, it shows the doll being purchased by a mother as a gift for her daughter, Debbie, who is a nursing student. What most people don't know is that this movie is based on a real-life situation, as documented by Ed and Lorraine Warren, one of the most well-known paranormal investigative teams with a career that spanned over 50 years. Now, while at the time of this recording, they have both passed away, Ed passed away in 2006 at the age of 79, and Lorraine in 2019 at the age of 92, They left behind a legacy of cases and documentation of cases that they've investigated, and Annabelle is one of those cases. The real story of Annabelle begins in 1971, 
when Susan, a student nurse, received a present from her mom for her birthday. The gift was a large Raggedy Ann doll that was heavy and relatively large, about the size of a four-year-old child. Now, Susan lived with her roommate and co-worker, Nancy, and they rented an apartment in Connecticut near the hospital where they both worked the same late shift. Susan took the doll and she put it on her bed while the girls went about their daily lives. As time went on, though, Susan noticed that the doll appeared to be changing positions. Susan would leave the doll sitting on the bed with the arms apart and the legs straight out. When she got home, the doll's legs would be crossed or the arms would be folded over. At first, she thought that she must have left the doll that way. But when it continued to occur, she decided to test her theory that the doll had changed positions on its own. So what she did one day was cross its legs and arms and then left for work. When she got home, she ran up to her bedroom to look at the doll and the doll was still sitting on the bed, but this time its legs and arms were uncrossed. Susan and Nancy would then begin to notice that the doll, which was always on Susan's bed, would be then sitting in the living room on the couch when they got home from work. Now, neither of the girls had said that they had moved the doll. They then thought that maybe somebody was playing a joke on them, you know, somebody that had a key to the apartment. And they thought, well, maybe it was the apartment manager. So what they did is they placed markings on the doors and windows and they arranged their rugs in the apartment in a certain way so that in the event anyone came into the apartment while they were gone, they would know about it. Nothing was ever out of place. One night they came home and the doll was still on Susan's bed, but Susan noticed that there was blood on the back of one of its hands and three drops of blood in the middle of its chest. Now, at this point, Susan and Nancy decided to get in touch with a medium to find out why this was happening. And, you know, amazingly, they weren't really frightened. They were just more curious. The medium arrives and they perform a seance where the medium then tells the girls that a little girl died on the property many years ago before the apartments were ever even built and her name was Annabelle Higgins and that she was seven years old. Annabelle thought that the girls would be able to understand her so she was the one who began to move the doll so that the girls would notice. The medium further said that Annabelle was asking if she could stay with them and move into the doll and both Susan and Nancy said that she could and from that day on they called the doll Annabelle. Now, during this time, a mutual friend of theirs, Scott, would stop over and they would tell him about what was happening. Now, Scott didn't think that a doll moving around on its own was cute at all. And he immediately didn't even like the doll. But the girls, now knowing that the doll was that of a little girl who was, for all intents and purposes, lost they felt the need to care for her. They would take the doll on car rides with them and even make her little bracelets to wear. And as a matter of fact, to this day, 
you can still see one of the bracelets on the doll that one of the girls made for her. The girls then began to notice little notes around the apartment, and they said things like, help us, or help Scott. But they knew that there was nothing they should be concerned with regarding Scott, and they didn't know what the us and the help us meant. To top it off, these notes were written in a very childlike way. They were written in pencil and on, of all things, on written on parchment paper. Now, Susan and Nancy, they would tear the apartment apart looking for parchment paper or pencils, but they could never find either one. Now, Scott, one evening, was at his own place, and he had fallen asleep. He was in a very deep sleep, and while he laid there, he had a dream And he's dreaming that he woke up. He didn't really wake up, but in his dream, he woke up and he felt like something was off. And in his dream, he looked around the room and didn't see anything odd. But then he looked down and saw the doll, Annabelle, climbing up his body and stopping on his chest It then put out its two arms and placed them on either side of his neck. He then saw himself being strangled. He was trying to push the doll off of him, but he said it was like pushing on a wall because it wouldn't even move. Now, another night, he was over at the girl's apartment. He was planning a road trip the following day, and him and Nancy, they were going over the maps and the route that he would take. It was very late at night when they heard sounds coming from Susan's bedroom. It was so loud that they thought someone had broken in. Scott ran upstairs and waited outside the door listening until the sound stopped. He then opened the door and peeked around to see if there was anything unusual happening. Walking into the bedroom, he didn't notice anything wrong except for the doll who was on the floor in the corner. As he walked closer to the doll, he felt something behind him, so he turned around to look. No one was there, but all of a sudden he feels something on his chest, which was so painful, he doubled over. It felt hot, like someone was burning him. When he came downstairs, Nancy asked to take a look because he was bleeding through his shirt. When they opened his shirt, they noticed that he had three vertical and four horizontal claw marks on his chest. Within two days, these cuts were healed completely. After the incident with Scott, Susan decided to call an Episcopal priest that both she and Nancy knew and trusted. They told him what had been happening, all of it. And while they were afraid that he wouldn't believe them, he actually did. But he also felt that he would need to get in contact with someone higher up than he was because he just didn't feel confident in in dealing with this situation. So they called a Father Dennis. Now, Father Dennis, after hearing the story, he then decided to contact Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, as I've mentioned, Ed and Lorraine Warren are one of the most prominent and one of the first pairs of paranormal investigators. They had uh, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is also called NESPER, in 1952. 
and have investigated a wide variety of well-known cases, as well as consulted and assisted in numerous police investigations that especially involved ritualistic murders. Um, They were in high demand by hundreds of colleges and universities to speak on the subject of the supernatural. So, of course, when they get a call, the Warrens then go to the apartment and they interviewed all of them, Susan, Nancy, and Scott. And the three of them told the Warrens everything that had been occurring. Now, at this point, they are truly petrified. And they told the Warrens that they were planning on just moving out of the apartment. They couldn't be in the apartment anymore. They just had to get out. Unfortunately, Ed told them that moving wouldn't solve their problem. He then told them that they had actually invited a spirit into the apartment and into their lives. It's not something you can just simply walk away from or move away from. Ed then told them what he was going to do was contact a priest and have the priest come over right away to perform an exorcism of the premises. And the three of them, they didn't know what to think. They're like an exorcism. This was the spirit of a little girl. Ed then explains that there never was a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle. They had been tricked. The activity that they had been dealing with wasn't the result of a ghost of an innocent little girl. Ghosts can't move things at all. They can't manifest notes in the home or make three drops of blood appear. He then tells them that whatever is in the apartment is intelligent. It knows exactly what it's doing, and it's inhuman, a demonic spirit. He further lets them know that while the girls had some honest intentions, they were the wrong intentions. They gave the doll acknowledgement. The reason the doll moved at at all in the first place was just simply to get their attention. And of course, that worked. After they had begun to notice, instead of ignoring what was happening, they instead called in a medium and that made matters even worse. The spirit... The demonic spirit then used the medium as a way to communicate exactly what it wanted to communicate. The spirit wanted you to believe that it was the spirit of a little girl named Annabelle. And so it told the medium this information and she then passed it along to you. You then gave it permission to move into the doll, which is exactly what it was after. He said that both Susan and Nancy were wide open to the concept that this was a little girl in need. Now, since Scott didn't believe in any of it, he got hurt. But it was eventually going to happen to all of them sooner or later. He even told them that they had they waited much longer, they all may very well have been even killed by this thing. When the priest arrived, he was given all of the information And then, even though he was very nervous, he went around the apartment into each room and and recited the Episcopal blessing. Now, this blessing is seven pages long, and it's meant to be nothing but positive in nature. It doesn't necessarily get rid of anything, but the idea is to fill the home with the power of God. After he was done with the rooms, he then blessed everyone in the apartment. Now, Susan decided, she's like, hey, I don't want this doll any anymore. So the Warrens agreed to take the doll with them. 
They put Annabelle in the back seat of their brand new car and then drove towards home. Although Ed chose not to take the interstate and instead chose to take the back roads just for safety reasons. As they're driving back to their home, every time the Warrens would come to a curve in the road, the car would stall. The power steering and the brakes would fail. They were nearly in collisions multiple times. So once they get back, they put the doll in Ed's office and it just ends up sitting in a chair. And for a while, nothing happens. When the Warrens leave, they lock the doll in the office, but they would later come home and find it sitting in a completely different chair. A friend of theirs, a priest, came to visit, and he was a Catholic exorcist who had actually been working with Ed and Lorraine Warren on another case when he noticed the doll. He asked about it, and Ed told him the whole story. So he then goes and picks up the doll, and told the doll that, hey, you're just a doll. You can't hurt a thing. On the priest's way back to the rectory, his brake system failed in his car, and he hit a pole. Thankfully, he survived, but his car did not. Annabelle was then subsequently placed in a case that resides inside the Warren's Museum, Ed had a sign created for the case that says, quote, positively do not open. The case was recently updated to contain emblems of St. Michael the Archangel of Protection on either side of it, and three crosses adorned the left, the right, and the top of the case to signify the Holy Trinity. The varnish of the case itself was first blessed before being applied. And according to Lorraine Warren, quote, a Catholic priest also performs a binding prayer around the doll, which acts as a blockade. So Annabelle at this time is sitting in the museum, in the Warren's museum, and a young couple comes and visits the museum and they hear all about Annabelle. And the male of this couple, then decides to bang on the case and told Annabelle, if you can scratch people, then scratch me. Ed, of course, gets very frustrated with this and he escorts the couple out. And on the way home, the man hit a tree with his motorcycle. He died and his girlfriend spent a year in the hospital recuperating. She reportedly said that when the accident happened, They were joking and talking about Annabelle. Now, as I've said, while the Warrens have both passed away, their legacy goes on. Their son-in-law, Tony Spera, now handles the business. Today, the Annabelle doll still resides in the enclosed case at the Warrens Occult Museum. But unfortunately, the museum is not currently open to the public due to zoning codes. So what Tony does is he has shows where the, he then brings along items from the museum to display. And one of those items does often contain Annabelle. In 2017, Annabelle actually made a rare appearance on the television show Ghost Adventures, which is hosted by Zach Baggins, for one of their Halloween specials. As a matter of fact, Tony took the doll 
all the way to Las Vegas from Connecticut to Zach's Haunted Museum. It took three attempts for the production crew of the show to even get Tony to consider doing it at all. In the end, he did agree and brought Annabelle. Now, Annabelle traveled with Tony on the plane and never once did he allow the case that Annabelle was in to be anywhere away from him at all. Before filming the episode, Tony requested that Holy Water be on standby for the entire crew. And before the episode could even begin filming, Zach began to feel off. He then asked Tony if this was typical, and Tony said that in fact it was. And Tony even had a name for it. It was called a forerunner, uh, which is a warning to not do what it was that they were thinking of doing. A tech crew member of the show then said that he had, as he had been recording the interviews with Zach and Tony, he had noticed an odd sound in the background. And upon playing it back, it sounded like a child's cry. And this was all before they even took Annabelle out of the case. Finally, when the time came for Annabelle's appearance, Tony first soaked his hands in holy water, wrapped his hands with a rosary, and then made the sign of the cross over himself. He then sprinkled holy water on the case, actually holding the doll. Lastly, he said a prayer to St. Michael, the archangel. And before taking Annabelle out of the case, he then put on some protective gloves and quickly, very, very quickly moved Annabelle to a chair where he sat her up and then again made the sign of the cross over himself. Both he and Zach are required to wear rosaries while they are in the room with Annabelle. And Zach is also required to cross himself with holy water. Of all the rules that are in place, because remember, Annabelle is now currently out of her case. All that she's doing is just simply sitting in a chair in the middle of the room. The biggest rule is that no one is supposed to actually physically touch the doll. Now, while the whole Ghost Adventures team is in the room, they decide to use a spirit box. Now, a spirit box is a piece of equipment that's used to communicate with spirits It creates white noise by cycling through radio frequencies at a very, very fast pace. While using the spirit box, they hear the word, listen. It actually sounds like three people at one time saying the word because it has kind of an odd echo to it. When Zach asks who they're supposed to listen to, they hear Annabelle in a deep male voice. Now, Zach is sitting on the floor extremely close to the doll. He says out loud that he's having a hard time not touching her. And of course, everyone reminds him not to. And Tony, who is in another room observing, comes through on the walkies and reiterates this to Zach. Do not touch the doll. Others that are in the room filming And around Zach, all of a sudden begin to get very warm and they even start to sweat. And Zach at this point is struggling with himself to not touch the doll. It is suggested to Zach by Tony to say the words, God protect me. But Zach doesn't want to do this. And this makes Tony concerned that Zach may already be under the influence of the doll. Tony then warns him that if he does touch the doll, he cannot guarantee his safety. 
As Tony comes into the room to grab the doll, thinking that it's just becoming way too intense at this point, Zach lightly reaches over and touches the doll's foot. Tony is livid. He immediately grabs the doll and leaves to go back to his hotel room. Later that night, Zach films himself as he's coming back to his house because on his car, he noticed noticed uh, something really odd. His odometer read exactly 6,666 miles. The next day, Zach is having lunch outside with a friend and a freak thunderstorm pops up. Now, remember, this is in Las Vegas. As the rain comes tearing down, there's a bolt of lightning and it strikes one of the lights outside the restaurant where Zach is eating. The light that was struck was directly above Zach's car. Now, there was quite a bit of blowback, even from fans, about what Zach did. Uh, So much so, meaning touching the doll. Uh, So much so that he ended up making a statement on his official Facebook page. And in it, he does say that he was skeptical of the doll until she got there and a part of just a part of his very lengthy post says quote I touched Annabelle but it felt like I had to not because it would be a great TV moment but because of things most of you wouldn't understand something had a grip on me and I had a tremendous amount of sadness through the whole thing except for one quick moment of rage near the end when Tony took her and left now, over the years, there has been somewhat of a public war of words over the incident. And even though there is some animosity between the two, um, although I don't think the word animosity is the right word exactly, um, not sure how to how to phrase that, but the Ghost Adventures team did ask Tony to come back the following year, but he just out and out refused. Now, multiple theories are also out there saying that Annabelle isn't Annabelle anymore because once she entered the haunted museum in Las Vegas, the spirit actually stayed there and didn't continue on with the doll. Another theory, remember that it's just a theory. Another theory is that Tony didn't actually bring the real doll with him. And they bring up a good point too. Um, (laughs) If I want to play devil's advocate here for a minute, uh, no pun intended. If the doll was so dangerous, why bring it on a crowded plane full of people who had no idea? Hell, if I knew the doll was on the plane, I would have opted for another flight. Even if the doll was in the same hotel with me, I'd want to know because I wouldn't want to stay there either. Uh, The bottom line is the story of Annabelle has real origins to it. And whether or not you believe that the Annabelle in the possession of Tony is still haunted by the spirit or if the spirit ended up in Zach's museum. Overall, creepy things have just happened whenever someone has touched or otherwise disrespected the doll Annabelle. That's it for this episode. There's only a couple of weeks now before Halloween, so I'll be wrapping up the Paranormal podcast before too long. Uh, Unless, of course, you want to hear more. Uh, If you do, please let me know by commenting on the Instagram page, and I'll be sure to add them into the rotation. So thank you all for listening. 
As usual, I cannot tell you how appreciative I am of every single one of you. Thank you, thank you, and I will talk with you next time.